This is The Living Temple, a podcast produced by Red Church for people who want to follow Christ in real life. The renewing of our minds is the expunging of idols from our thinking. Hi, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. Yes, my name is Liddy Pickens and this is Mark Sayers. How are you, Mark? I am very well. Yes, good. Great. Um, Hey, we published a debrief from last week, which was, well, for me, pretty pretty full on, Um, but also great because we got to go on an etymological journey through Mm. the word culture, which was fabulous. Um, Yeah, but we talked about that disconnect between you know, what we believe as Christians, but then how we actually behave and live um, our everyday life. And that there's actually a massive chasm between the two when we're um, living in today's culture. And we landed at that point of we need to take on the mind of Christ or we need to be Mm. renewed by the spirit. Mm. Um, Yeah, to take on the mind of Christ. So that was, it was really good. And yeah, we had a bit of a chat after that um, session and talked about, you know, what does it actually look like for people to be hungry Mm. um, for God and hungry for him to move and not just sort of doing things because they're comfortable. Mm. Um, This was the offline chat. We probably should have recorded it. It could have been a whole podcast. It could have been. We were just sat here all talking. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we'll assemble that in some way in this um session but it just yeah it got me thinking what what would it take for um us to not be comfortable Mm. for us to recognize that if we're really serious about our faith and living it rather than you know getting swept up in what whatever's happening in culture like what would it take and i just um was imagining Imagine if like a big meteor just came and hit mm. Melbourne and people are forced to actually confront what life looks like mm. if the structures of our everyday life somehow mm. fall apart. Mm. Or a what small does... meteor. If it was a big one, we'd, all, we'd be gone. Yeah, okay. Well, like a, a reasonable sized meteor. Yeah. That... Like a basketball size? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what kind Melbourne. of damage. I reckon it'd be pretty intense. Or maybe it needs, maybe the internet needs to collapse. That know. would be cool, I think. Yeah. If you could keep the essential services, like yeah. hospitals and planes don't drop out of the sky, but just get rid of the rubbish of the internet. Yeah. Well, it was interesting, Tim Berners-Lee, who sort of is called the father of the World Wide Web, yes. wrote an article yesterday saying that the internet, who was an internet optimist, wrote an article the other day saying that the internet is now is threatening humanity or something, which is interesting. So if you get rid of that stuff, yeah, but keep the good stuff. Yeah, um, so... Yeah. I think, speaking of the internet, I think Daniel Lowe, Intrepid Soundman, is Googling what size meteor could destroy Melbourne, <laughs> enable us to live, and create a spiritual renewal. Um, so if we could just hit some industrial places in Melbourne where no one lives, yeah. so no one would get hurt. But I feel like it would need to be enough for it to kind of shake yes. us to the yes. core of asking, oh, is how I'm living actually... Yeah how I'm supposed to be living. Yeah, yeah. So it might not be a meteor. I don't know what it is, but yes. what yeah. would be a catalyst for us to 
to really change. Yeah. Well, I, I remember. I remember. I mean, a very very small scale um, example of this when September 11th happened. Yeah. Um, which was all the way from far from Melbourne. You know, it's a 20 hour flight in New York, so very far away, not in our yeah. region. But what was so fascinating. Uh, was the report sort of around here was that church attendance for a few months went up. Mm. You know, and the beginning of that, like we now look back and you know, understand how it all played out. But initially, just after September 11th happened, there was a stage where people didn't know it was Al-Qaeda. Mm. People thought it may have been Al-Qaeda. And, and is this a war? Like, and would we get embroiled in a war? And you know, would this be like World War One, the sort of shot that started this global conflict? So people's bubble of security was popped at September 11th. Yeah. You saw it visually, you know. And even in Australia, which was not attacked um, on that day, people were forced back to church. So what that says is actually how fragile the system that keeps our secular thought pattern in play. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. so interesting. You know, and what, what people don't realise, I mean, in 1946, after World War II, um, the Western world was in, in turmoil. Europe was bombed. It was in huge trouble. Yeah. Um, the U.S. effectively, through the Marshall Plan, rebuilt Europe. A lot of people don't know this. Rebuilt Europe. The American taxpayer helped those European countries get back. Uh, and there was this period of American, you know, supremacy, and there was a Cold War. And then since the end of the Cold War, America's been the number one superpower in the world. And so that created this sort of, you know, in the West, mm. while there was wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, for people in the West, those wars were almost compartmentalized and sanitized. Yeah. You didn't see them. There's an amazing image. Um, I saw a few years ago of uh, American commercial jet and people reading their newspapers in the windows of the jet and then in the holds of the jet, they're putting these coffins from back from Iraq. Fascinating image. And, and so it's sanitized. So yeah. this mythology that, hey, everything's safe. The government will look after you. They'll protect you. And terrorism is almost like trying to pop that bubble. It's yeah. like people say, like, yeah. we want to pop that bubble. So... What people don't realize is the sort of secular lifestyle that so many people live in the West, particularly, you know, young adults who have not known anything else but that, who are used to, I can press a button and I get an Amazon delivery within 24 hours and get what I want. That is so fragile. Yeah. And based on on a constellation of world power or a construction of world power that is currently changing. Yeah. It's currently changing. And... Yeah, so, so you're 100% right that this is all not how humans have lived throughout history. Yeah. Uh, humans have, have always lived with the threat of nature, the threat of death, the threat of war, the threat of disease. And so this thing where I can just have my own life script and I'm a unique, special person in the world and I'm just going to have my life script and I can, as we said in the opposite, sorry, the previous um, episode, I can spin that combination on the mm, safe and mm-hmm. deliver this fantastic life. You're 100% right. It's actually that which is very fragile. Yeah. Um, and we're kind of, we're, we're placing the comfort of our lives on transient things, things yes. that aren't permanent yes. or ultimately reliable. Yes. But we think that they are because yes. other people value them and we're told to value them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at the internet. You, you joked about the internet blowing up um, and disappearing. Was it a joke? Oh, no. Ooh, if, there's a, if there's a major internet virus, we know where it came from. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry in advance. That, that like, people 15... I, I grew up without the internet. I, I know what it's like. Like, people lived without it. But yes. it's now, like, it's so important. So you're right. That part of what, in Western culture, is this sense that 
These things are so important. There's a great line from Dallas Willard um, in his book, Knowing Christ Today. And he says this, he says, idolatry is a mistake about reality and an error at the worldview level. It arises from the crying need of human beings to gain control over their lives. Mm. And so there's this sense that we have to imbue these things, which are fleeting and fragile, as you said, but we have to imbue them with godlike power yeah. to make us feel safe. Um, so there's this sense that when those idols begin to fail, when they begin to fall, that actually there's an invitation then to renew our minds. Yeah. And to actually, which we, we started just touching on, and we'll sort of start to explore this a bit more, but the renewing of our minds is the expand, expunging of idols from our thinking. Yeah. So those idols are ultimately unable to deliver what they promise. They're unable to deliver control. And we begin by wanting them to fulfill our needs. So they're a yeah. tool, a lever, um, to control the world, but then what they end up being is they end up controlling us. So it's this mm. really weird uh, codependent relationship people have with idols. So I thought it'd be good just to talk a little bit more about how, what does renewing of your mind look like? Yeah, And right. there's this sense that people will hear that and then they'll go, okay, so I need to fix my beliefs. So yes, yeah, and that's what I've, all, I've always sort of framed it as. Yeah, like that. how's that played out for you? Um, it's been frustrating mm. because I it's hard to find what beliefs I need to change. And yes. often it's actually got nothing to do with theology. It's yes. the beliefs about the world that I live in and yes. how I'm living. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because we're also living in an information economy, we yeah. think, oh, I just need more information. I'll just Google it and... I'll listen I'll to more podcasts. Podcasts, that yeah. lifestyle blog. And, and even it's interesting, newspapers have transformed from just delivering um, information about what happened in the world to now, if you look at the Age newspaper in Melbourne, the entire bottom bit online is like um, all lifestyle yes. answers. And ridiculous and ones too. Weird things. Totally I know, I was weird. looking at it the other day. Clickbaity weird ones. Yeah. Um, and so there's this sense that the first thing, oh, we need to renew our mind. I need to get more information in my head. Yes. Now, there's nothing wrong with information. Intelligence, you know, can be a gift from God. Um, but there's this sense of what we actually need is knowledge. And we need wisdom. Yeah. And that's actually what transformed. Now, again, too, we have to sort of, take that apart a little bit because the other thing that we can, that the secular culture does mm -hmm. to us. And again, the Willard book I just quoted, Knowing Christ Today, he makes a fantastic point that what secular culture does is it's like gets this scalpel and it divides knowledge. Yes. So what it does is it chops it down the middle and goes, um, here's the knowledge of how to better save as a 35-year-old woman living in this particular suburb. Mm -hmm. This is how you do it. Yeah. Right? And people would go, oh, yes, that's, that's right. Now, people may argue with it or whatever, but there's a concept that you can come to a realization of what that looks like. Yes. Um, there is a knowledge of how to fly a 747 plane. And if yes. you're catching a flight, you want the pilot to have that knowledge. Yes. But then what it does is when it comes to religious worldviews, religious yeah. claims, belief, it goes, it's the scalpel cuts that off from actual knowledge. Yeah. So what it says is, look, you can believe 
that's fine. That's mm-hmm. what you believe. Yeah. But that's your personal values. Yes. So we like talks about this this sort of cut between beliefs and values or knowledge and values. Yeah. So your values are oh like you believe there's a God. That, that's good that you believe that. Yeah, I've come across this a lot. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's two elements to that. One is that sort of relativism thing of like, mm. oh, you believe what you want, I believe what I want. Yeah. But it's more like I don't really believe that that could make a claim on my life. So it's like any claim of truth around that. So yes, like a value is a belief that's been shorn of any claim of truth. Yes. So it's only real to the person who holds it. Yes. Kind of? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't actually, it can't extend beyond that person to anyone else. Yes. And yeah. Willard would almost argue that even if that person's holding it, it might not even, because it's reduced to a value, and that's what secular culture does to yeah. it, it might not even affect your belief, your behavior. Which is what we're talking about in the previous yes, yes. Um, episode. Yeah, okay. And to bring that into real life examples, I don't know if you've ever met a person like where you'll sit down with a person and you know their lifestyle, <laughs> you know how they live. Yeah. And then you hear, like, hang on, what? Oh, so hang on, you actually sort of adhere to this Christian? Oh yeah, values, like, and you're like, what? Huh? what? And not judgmental, and not like, oh, no, probably no, no. because it's like, hang on, every way you live is so counter to the way of Jesus, yet you see that you have those values, and I'll say it's like, oh, my background's that, or yeah. I grew up Catholic, so I hold these values, or yeah. I went to a Baptist church when I was younger, or Christian school, so I hold yeah. these values, and you're like, they're like these sentimental values. It's like yeah. it's like you meet people who like. Their grandparents came from Greece and they're like, yeah, I'm sort of great. Like I connect with that. I've never been there. Yeah. Don't speak the language. Mm. I had Greek food occasionally at my grandmother's house, but it's, it's totally disconnected from the reality of their yes. life. Um, so, and you know, that may not be a great metaphor, but you get that sense that it's, it's the values doesn't shape them. So again, yes. too, going back to what we said, this is not like the renew of the mind where you inhabit it, where you cultivate it over time, where it's actually about what you worship. So yeah. values are actually not linked to worship. Okay. It's like you're holding the Christian values in the way that the idolater, idolater does. Yes. Um, in the sense you want them to do something for you. You want the Jesus card in the back of your pocket in case you get the cancer diagnosis. Yeah, right. Um, so it's really, really interesting how what what Willard says is that essentially, therefore, he's saying you fall into idolatry when you don't have a grip on reality. So we need mm. a faith then, and we need religious knowledge, which actually shapes how we live yeah. and inhabit a life. So you then need the renewing of the mind with knowledge, knowledge on how to actually believe in Jesus, but how that to transfer into your everyday life. Yes. Because knowledge alone is not enough. Yes. Uh, yeah. So he sort of talks about it's like spiritual knowledge. So this is actually yeah. knowledge, which then is a link of belief and action. Yeah. Yeah. And that not only transforms your mind, but it transforms your life. Yes. Yeah. So many people you'll meet and many people who have that longing we spoke about yeah. at the beginning of what I read this in the New Testament or my faith isn't this. A lot of people are like, oh, look, I've, I've done with Christianity, people hypocrites, or it's not working for me. It's actually because it's simply values or belief. It's not that knowledge which is transforming. Yeah. Its intent is not matched with action. Yeah. Um, and you know, you intuitively, when you meet someone who's living it, 
fully. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about just creating this, doing all the right religious things. I'm saying, I'm saying when someone's living it, you can see that knowledge transferring yeah. in their life, uh, yeah. living out in their life. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of what I imagine in, you know, this whimsical world where this meteor or whatever comes that that then becomes the reality of how people live. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like it forces can, them into yeah. lived knowledge. Yes. Yeah. And you often talk about um, how a crisis is a catalyst to change. Yes. And so I've just imagined a meteor, but that's probably not going to happen. Um, we hope, we hope, we hope yeah. it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. No, we do hope it doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, like how, how do we change? Like if people are really um, craving this renewal like what mm. what are we supposed to mm. do you mm. know help well, two things real quick like, like number one is um john cotter who was a business guy or is a business guy who writes on change uh, at the beginning of his book i think it's called leading change he talks about managers and ceos if they want to create change in their organizations probably have to manufacture crises yeah now, I think what's happening in our world today is actually we're experiencing crises because mm. of the, as we spoke about, I think it was in episode one, yeah. of the distance between the story that we're told about ourselves and the reality of how that's playing out. Yes. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're like, man, I'm in burnout all my life. I, I have that longing. This is not working. This is not life I signed up for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That crisis is an opportunity for change. It's an opportunity to renew your mind. If you've got a distance between the faith you want and the faith you're living, yeah. that's a crisis. That's an opportunity. Yeah. Um, so there's this sense that that they're good starting points. Don't mm. be don't be dismayed. That's a brilliant starting point. Be dismayed if you're sold to the lie. Yeah. Um, and if you're sold to the lie, you're probably not listening to this. Um, <laughs> maybe you're overhearing it as your friend's on a long drive. Okay. So now what's really interesting about knowledge as well is there's a personal element to it. Okay. Now, to know someone in Hebrew is to yada. It has this sense of intimacy. Yeah. Um, it's even used as a euphemism for sex. Now, think about this, right? Like, um, just say you'd never met me. Yeah. I could give you an absolutely brilliant dossier. Or someone could say, here's Max Here's yeah. his life this history. Is, yeah. um, this is how much he's tall, how much he weighs, what colors his hair. Now, you could read all of that to the point where you could actually be pretty up on me. Yeah. That is a totally different experience than us having a relationship. Yeah. That me sitting here as an inhabited person. I don't know if you've ever had the thing um, where you've met... Oh, look, I, I have this. Like, I'll give you an example of my life. Like, often I'll know another Christian speaker or someone yep. or pastor, and mm-hmm. I've known them. I've seen them on Instagram or I've seen articles or even videos of them. Yes. And then you meet them and be like, oh, they're taller yeah. or they talk different or actually they... They're shyer than they are in that video. Or, oh, that's a thing I didn't know about them. Yeah. Or, I now see them with their family. That's what their house looks like. That's how they eat. And all of a sudden, the old image, it just had some contours. But now I'm inhabiting yeah. their reality. Yes. So, spiritual knowledge, therefore, can only come about. And the knowledge of God is mm-hmm. a relational dynamic. Yeah. So, what we're saying here can only be found when we push deeper into relationship with God. Yeah. So this concept of relationship, you're meant to have a relationship with Jesus, you're meant to come in your heart, all these things that you often pick up in church growing up. Yep. They will just simply remain as beliefs to affirm, little values. This is actually about 
going out and meeting him. Yeah. And and knowledge is is this growing, developing thing. Mm, it's that cultivating that you were talking about. Absolutely cultivating. Yeah. Trudy and I like know each other in deeper ways than the first day we got married. Yeah. Now, in 15 years, I hope I know it in greater ways. Mm. I will discover more. It's endless. Like, you yeah. don't go, I know everything. You know, sometimes you get to know someone so well, you're like, oh, I knew they were going to say that or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But there's still things you discover because that person is inhabiting the world. Yes. They're experiencing new things. Yeah. You're going through things with them together. Mm. So that's why, like, faith, if you, if you want to go deeper, you're always going to be going deeper. Renewal is just the beginning of a continual process of renewal. Yeah. So this is a hunger, a deepening that will always continue. This is your life project. Yeah. Your life project, if you're listening to this, is to grow in the knowledge of God. Yeah. Something that can only happen, not with more information, more values, but actually when you actually dwell in the vine. Mm. And that's, um, I guess, why the Christian faith is often referred to as a walk or a journey. Yes. It's a movement. It's not a stationary place where Absolutely. you reside. You are continually, um, yeah, moving, yes. moving towards Jesus. And it often begins with the concept. Yeah. So it might be like, you know, you meet the person who like gets hit by the gospel and it's like, Jesus loves me. God cares. I'm a sinner, but he takes that sin on the cross. So you get hit with this knowledge, yeah. which comes from God. And even that, it's not just information. That's like grace revelation. Yeah. Change your life. That's right? the spirit like yes. moving in that moment. But then after that, it's this continual moving into deepening mm. of your knowledge of him. It, yeah. th- that information alone, God doesn't want you to just go like, that's just like, come into my kingdom. Yeah. I've opened the door for you. Yeah. I've paid the price for you. Join me at the table before which you were excluded from. Yeah. Now let's get to know each other. Let's get to eat. Yeah, yeah. And even the imagery, like like Jesus on the Emmaus Road meets the two disciples mm. and eats with them. And it's when they eat with him yeah. and when he opens the scriptures, yeah. when they break bread, then our hearts are aflamed. So this is something that must be lived. Mm. If you're sitting there trying to nut this out and get the perfect... And I meet this. I meet... And it's totally fine if you're in this place. But what I'm trying to say is you're not going to nut it out. You have to walk it out. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for our third episode of The Living Temple. We really hope you're enjoying it so far. The whole purpose of this is, just as Mark said, to learn how to walk well with Jesus and to go deeper in our relationship with him. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to The Living Temple Podcast. For more information and resources, head to thelivingtemple.org.